Buenos dias. Hi, my name is Clark Van Deventer and welcome to the podcast Dealing With 40. All right, just like that, I'm 40. And I've had a really hard time with hitting this mile marker in life. Well, not so much a hard time. It's just that I've spent a lot of time processing where I'm at in life compared to where I thought I'd be and thinking about what the road ahead looks like. To help me in that process, I'm interviewing men and women who've climbed a little higher. And I don't necessarily mean higher as in higher on the ladder of success. I just mean they're, well, older, all right? They've climbed a little higher. And these are interesting and thoughtful people, people I respect, and I am interested in their perspective. I want them to tell me what they see. So this is like the ultimate personal development project. And through the podcast, you get to go on the journey with me. Today, my guest is Nancy Sathry Vogel. All right, this woman is a legend, an inspiration. I remember where I was when I first heard about this woman. She and her family had, had first come across my radar screen about 10 years ago. I was trying to figure out my life, which I guess is a theme, and I heard that this family had just completed a bike ride a bike ride from Alaska to Argentina. I heard that and I was like, man, I can do anything. Like seriously, it was a moment for me. And I figured if Nancy and her family could do that, I could design any kind of life I'd like to. So after 21 years in a classroom, teaching other people's kids, Nancy decided to throw caution to the wind and head out with her own children. Together with her husband and eight-year-old twin sons, she spent a year biking around the USA and Mexico. All right, flushed with success from that experience, the family decided they wanted more, which led to a jaunt from, yes, Alaska to Argentina. And after cycling more than 17,000 miles through 15 countries in 33 months, her boys earned the distinction of being the youngest people to cycle the length of the Americas. All right, Nancy and her family today, um, well, after their adventures, made their home in Boise, Idaho, and uh, began enjoying the simple things in life, like turning a handle and having water magically appear. All right, they continued their atypical education until her boys entered university in 2016. Now, Nancy owns her own uh, small metal shopping business, making and selling jewelry made from recycled copper. So after years of being online friends, a few years ago, I finally got to meet Nancy in person. I was in Boise on business and got to hang out with her at one of those community events where artisans set up. Her stuff, it's beautiful. Check it out, nancysathryvogel.com. I've got the link in the show notes, but don't go there yet. First, enjoy this conversation. All right, Nancy, welcome to the show. Hi, Clark. I am so happy to be here. <laughs> this is fun. And it's interesting to have a conversation with you. Gosh, you know, when I, it was around the time I was turning 30 that you were wrapping up your bike ride and, and I drew inspiration from you. And now here we are, I'm turning 40 and I'm again, now this time I have the benefit of, of knowing you and going, Nancy, inspire me again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so... Tell me, um, 
I just got to, if I can kind of push you back uh, to when you were 40 and, and help me understand the way you were feeling at 40. Where, where were you in life? What was going on? Um, my twins were born when I was 37. So when I was just, just before my 40th birthday, my father died. Okay. And I think that the death of a parent is a real catalyst to look back over your life and kind of just reevaluate. You know, you look at your relationship with your parent that died mm -hmm. and you're, you look at what was good about that and what was bad about that. And you say, oh, but I want to avoid those bad things with my own kids. And, and so it kind of drives you and it's hard to, be that until you actually lose your parent. Okay. Um, so my kids were two. They had just, they were just barely two when my dad died. We were living in Ethiopia at the time. My husband and I were both school teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I kind of, I, I think there, that was kind of a dividing line for me. Now it kind of came a little bit before that because my kids were born and and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, but, you know, I had been a teacher for a long time and, and I think, and then there was the birth of my kids and I was kind of struggling with this idea of being a mom and being with my kids versus being a professional. I did take uh, the first, well, the kids were born in January. So then I didn't have to work the remainder of that school year. And then the next school year, I worked just half time. Okay. My school was a lot, would, would work with me so I could go halftime. So by now the kids are a year and a half and I go back to school full time and I was really struggling with that. And then my dad died. So, hmm. you know, I, I just think there, there was that whole time period was a real shift for me in, in trying to figure out being a parent having time with my kids versus being a professional. So, uh, and I realized that you had kids earlier, so that, you know, is probably gonna, going to, to affect things differently. But for me, that was that whole time period. Yeah, so I have always, I'm, I'm really happy to have this conversation because I've always felt like, in a lot of ways, I relate to uh, moms more than dads <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> because, um, for whatever reason, right? Moms tend to be the ones in marriages who put their career on the back burner to raise kids. They, right. just, they just do. And, and I uh, did that, right? I put, and I would encourage more dads and moms to put their career on the back burner, like while their kids are young and, and participate in that process, right? Of, of uh, raising kids and what an adventure, mm -hmm. right? And, and there are only two once, right? And there are only three once and so forth. Exactly. But talk to me about where you, like just where you were with your career uh, at around 37, 38, 39, as you started to, to spend more time being a mom and less time focused on your career. Were you struggling with that? in terms of where you thought you were going to go versus where you are going now? Well, yes, yes, very definitely. 
when I first started teaching, I was never one of these people who was, a, uh, how do I even say it? Somebody who come to just completely poured themselves into their job. Yeah. I, I was a good teacher and I did a good job, but I was a special ed teacher and mm -hmm. I was warned very early on that special ed teachers tend to burn out really quickly. Uh -huh. And so I was warned by other teachers that I, it was imperative as a special ed teacher, if I was going to survive as a special ed teacher, I had to uh, have a very clear line between work and my personal life. Yeah. So from, from the very first time, when I very first started teaching, I never brought work home. If I had to stay in my classroom until midnight to get stuff done, I would do that, but I would not bring it home. Yeah. And I maintain that through my whole teaching career, I did not bring work home. Um, so I was one of these people that I always had a very clear distinction. I never allowed teaching to completely take over my life. Um, but I did, you know, I would see other people, other teachers, and their lives were consumed with teaching and they were so passionate about it and mm. so driven and and I never was I mean it was it was a job and it was always a job and I and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed my kids and all of that but I never allowed it to take over my life uh, but there was always this internal dilemma uh -huh. of should I am I not a very good teacher because I'm not allowing this to take over my life uh, is that what makes a good teacher? Is a good teacher one of these people who lives and breathes teaching? And right. and and so there was that definite internal dilemma uh, when mm -hmm. my kids were really small. In fact, yeah, when they were two, it was like right after I think it was right after my dad died that I got my master's degree. Um, and 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 so there was this this dilemma of um i should be more passionate or more focused and i'm really not there's other things that i like as well and, you, and and so so yeah there was definitely that dilemma that trying to figure out where is that balance right and you and i mean you can be modest but you can also just be be <laughs> um you can be modest but you can also be honest and what i mean is I, I'm sure, Nancy, like you're looking around and, and you're like, like you, you understand you're a high capacity person, right? You're, you're smart, you're talented, you're capable. And so you could clearly have, have chosen to like totally throw yourself in education and, and, and have succeeded down that path. And as someone who like probably wants to, who has like this internal, you're talking about this like internal dilemma, Right. I'm thinking that this internal dilemma you're talking about is you wanting to the, to make the most of your life and thinking, am I supposed to be making the most of my life teaching or is, is it other things? Is that right? Well, yes. Our society, our society tells us that we have to be the best. We have to exceed we have to success isn't just being good success mm -hmm. is being extraordinary 
<laughs> and so, and, 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 and we do that in everything. I mean, in, in everything, like after our bike trip, we spent three years cycling 17,000 miles and all of the messages I was getting was what's next? What's next? You got to go bigger. You got to go better. Are you going to spend five years now? Are you going to, you know, instead of going 17,000 miles, are you going to go 58,000? Um, you know, bigger is better. Yeah. And, and, and at some point I needed to come back and say, what is success mm. for me? Our society gives us certain messages and it's up to us on to what degree are we going to internalize that. Mm -hmm. So in order to be a good teacher, do you really have to pour every ounce of your being into teaching? If you want to be a good public speaker, do you have to pour every ounce of your being into public speaking? whatever it is, um, our society tells us that that needs to consume our lives. Right. So we, we receive these dueling messages. On the one hand, we're being told success is being extraordinary. And yet at the same time, we have this counter message that is saying success is being happy, whatever being happy is for you. And how okay. do you find the balance between those two? Uh-huh. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So you had to decide what success meant to you. Right. Right. And how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. um, I hit bottom. I really, I, I hit bottom. Um, okay. So like I said, my kids were born, I was 37, and then my dad died when they were two. So I was 39, I guess, when dad died. Um, and then a few years later, we were living in Taiwan at that point, and our kids were five, I guess. Okay. Um, and Daryl really wanted to move back to the U.S., and I did not understand that. I could not wrap my head around why that was important, but it was important to him. But we just kind of dismissed that. And we went ahead and accepted jobs in Malaysia. Um, and then we were back in, in Idaho for the summer uh, before we moved to Malaysia to take this new job. And literally 12 hours before our plane was leaving for Malaysia, my mom woke me up in the middle of the night and asked me to take her to the ER and she was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Oh. So uh, then I'm, I'm, I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, my mom, my dad was already gone. Now my mom has kidney cancer. Um, I'm starting this new job in Malaysia. What do I do? I was literally packing the suitcase with my stuff on one side of the suitcase and John and the boys stuff on the other. So that if I decided the last minute not to go, I could just pull my stuff out. Uh, it was just, it, it was, you know, it was just this mind trip. Everything was crazy. And <laughs> I ended up going to Malaysia. And then we started down this road where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, our shipment was delayed. Uh, my classroom, I, I ended up 
they were shuffling teachers around. So I didn't get my classroom until literally the morning that school started, mm -hmm. half an hour before kids were arriving, I got my classroom. So I started the school year, my, my, my classroom itself was unorganized, my house, I didn't even have my shipment yet. And so when I finally got that, that was unorganized. Two weeks later, Daryl fell and he broke his arm. So then he had a cast. So then I had to help him with all of these things that he normally would have been independent with. I mean, things like bathing and eating, I had to help him. And I, so that was hard. And then this kid, five years old, he's got six years old, I guess, up at this point, big cast on his arm. And then he gets really, really, really sick. Um, I'm talking like high fever, like 105, 106 for days on end. Uh, I'm taking him from one doctor to another in a foreign country. Um, and every doctor keeps saying, oh, it's just another virus. It's just another virus. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, my six-year-old kid is just getting virus after virus. Why? There's got to be something systemic going on. Uh, in the middle of all of that, I get a really bad case of pink eye. So, I, you know, it, 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 you, you get the idea. We can laugh now. <laughs> we can laugh now. But at the time, I don't think I've ever shed as many tears as I did then. You know, it was, it was bad. We finally, after... Oh, gosh, it was probably seven weeks or so of Daryl being sick. This kid, he's only seven, six years old anyway, and he lost 20% of his body weight. Um, and he was finally diagnosed with pneumonia. We got treatment for it, and that was fine. So I'm kind of, so by now it's mid-November, and... I'm finally like, okay, I can now finally start to settle down. I can get my life together. I can figure out what's going on. And then uh, Christmas break arrived. We went to Burma and that's when the big Asian tsunami hit. Oh. Uh, and we were up in the mountains when it hit, but it was the biggest, the, the biggest earthquake I had ever felt. And a couple of days later, we got down into the capital city in Burma and I heard about the tsunami and I, my immediate response, I mean, immediate, as soon as I heard it. And at the time they were only saying something like 3000 people had died. But my immediate response was, I have to contact my mom. Now, remember my mom was at home. She had had her kidney removed and I was already feeling guilty about not being here with my mom. And I am going to start crying because oh. this whole time period is so awful for me. So I ended up in Burma. They didn't have email, but we were visiting a friend and he had a back channel way of getting into email. And, and I was able to send my mom an email. And I just said, Nancy here, uh, we are fine. Me and John and the boys are all fine. I will write more when I get back to Malaysia. And that was that. Um, eventually, I ended up breaking my contract in Malaysia, and I moved back to be with my mom in February. Uh, but my mom told me that she printed out my email, and she literally walked around the house cleaning that email. And every time she would see the images of this tsunami, she would think Nancy and the boys are fine. Nancy and the boys are fine. Nancy and the boys are fine. And 
I think that was listening to the pain in my mother's voice. was the breaking point for me was that point where I realized that family being with your family was what we need to be focused on and our society is wrong uh, all of these pressures in our society are wrong uh, I know that as Americans, we so often show disdain for these other cultures that value family. Uh -huh. And I think that we are wrong on that. Um, and like I said, it took me really hitting bottom before I realized that. Yeah. Uh, but it's important, it's important. And as Americans, we are taught that we need to go where the job is. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is not what we should be doing. Maybe what we should be doing is saying our families really are the most important thing. And, and anyway, that was kind of the springboard. And, and at that point, you know, the rest of it, everything kind of just changed. So for, so for you, that's the moment right or it, it's <laughs> you can look back maybe and go that's the moment where you you just decided i have to live differently um i you know it wasn't it, it wasn't necessarily that clear at the time mm -hmm. um i i was still teaching i was teaching in the u.s uh-huh uh, I taught here for, I didn't teach here very long. Uh, I did, I taught a year and then my father-in-law, so John ended up moving back to the U.S. and we were both teaching and then his dad died. And I think he went through this whole evaluation about, you know, what do I want out of life or, or out of his relationship with his kids, I think. And that's when he suggested that we take off on the bicycles and I thought he was nuts, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I think he, I think there was a lot to be said for what he was saying. He was looking back at his father had been an alcoholic and had been very abusive. And I think John was looking back at his life with his father and, and realized that his, he, his father hadn't wanted to spend time with him and he wanted to change that for our kids. He wanted yeah. our kids, when they look back on their life, they, when, that, when, when John dies, he wants our kids to look back and say, he spent time with me. And, and so it was, you know, it, uh, for, for me, hitting bottom was kind of that, that time in Malaysia with all of that going on. Uh, but I kind of just strung it out for a couple of years. And then I think John had uh, that moment and the two of us kind of came together that, yeah, you know what, we want something different out of life. So uh, I'm just going to push you a little bit here, Nancy. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> the, uh, so John is like, I don't want to have the kind of relationship with my kids that, that I have with my dad. Right. right. And you, and you have this like, like big moment, right? Where even was all these years later, you're still you're still emotional telling the story. Did you overcorrect? 
right? Like you just totally checked out and started riding your bike. Was it an was that an overcorrection? Well, I don't think so. But but I, I will say, by we were very very fortunate financially. Uh-huh. We had lived overseas for a number of years at that point and housing had been provided and, and, you know, the cost of living was cheaper. So we had been able to save money. So now we were very fortunate that when we checked out, as you put it, uh, (laughs) we financially, we could do that. Now, would we have, I think, so if we had not been financially where we were, Uh the idea of dropping out at that point, I think probably would have been very irresponsible. Um, so what do you think you would have, let's say that you, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody then who, who wasn't in the financial position you were in, but had a similar epiphany? Well, I, I think there's, there's ways of marrying it all. Like when I was, young just out of college I wanted uh, my my overarching dream was to go and live abroad Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I wanted nothing more than to live overseas but I didn't have any money Uh, but I did have a teaching certificate and Mm -hmm. I ended up going in the Peace Corps in Honduras actually right next to you yep um I remember you were the first person who told me about uh, Baleadas. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love those things. Um, so, so, um, so I think there are ways of marrying that passion and that desire with some sort of uh, an income generating thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I, Personally, I just think that I keep hearing people say that I'm just going to, you know, I'm broke, but I don't care. I'll go and beg my way around the world because I want to go travel. And I'm not, I, I don't think that's a very good strategy. Um, <laughs> but, but, I, but I do think that there are ways. And I don't think that you need to make tons of money. Yeah, I think that I think if your needs are modest and you live within your means and you have a way of supporting yourself, then do it. Yeah. So 20s and 30s, you so around 38, 39, you have this this big epiphany experience with both your mom and your dad, right? Right. Um before and it, and you start to realize like family is what's important right mm-hmm. um and that becomes your goal that becomes your definition of success over time maybe you wouldn't have put it that way at in the moment right but you start right. to you start to rearrange your life how how would you have defined success before that 20s and 30s how did you define success boy yeah that's a that's a hard question i I don't know. Um, I, I, like I said, my overarching desire was that I wanted to travel. Yeah. Uh, when I was 16, my parents took me down to Mexico and I was just, um, 
I, I was enthralled. And we arrived home. I, as a 16-year-old is wont to do, I turned on the TV and there was a commercial on for the Peace Corps. And I made the decision at age 16 that mm. as soon as I could join the Peace Corps, I would. Um, so what I wanted to do was travel. And I think for me, I defined success as being able to travel. And that's where teaching abroad came in. Yeah. I was able to combine that teaching certificate that I had. I mean, that was a very valuable commodity mm -hmm. uh, with that, with my desire to travel and to live abroad. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and so I, I, I think for me that that's how I would have defined success. And so that's how you define success. And based upon your definition, you were successful. Right? right, because you were right. you're doing it right. Right. Forties, mm -hmm. um, you you start to um, family becomes important, right? That, Very, yeah, right. Very. My forties were just a very early forties, very tumultuous. You know, that was that whole time period when I was forty, just before my forty sixth birthday we took off on our first bike trip um so yeah it was i would say late 40s i finally kind of started settling down and making peace with it mm -hmm. all right and so now here you are you you're not you're not living abroad no nope. and and you're you're are your boys done with college now they graduate in may okay but they're they're not living at home well, one of them is right now. Okay. Um, so yeah, one of them is down in Texas and uh, they're both in their senior year at college. And the other one, we is kind of a bizarre story. We have a rental house. And so he wanted to find an apartment and we thought, well, instead of paying for an apartment, let's just have him in the rental house. Like it yeah. didn't make sense to get the rent from somebody else and turn around <laughs> and give it to an apartment. So he was living in the rental house, but we ended up just fixing up the house and new tenants just moved in last week. So he is now living here until he graduates and figures out what he's doing. But so, uh, yeah. but obviously you spend less time with your boys now than you did when you were biking from Alaska to Argentina. Uh, obviously. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so how do you define success now? What success look, look like for you now? Success now is waking up in the morning and looking at those next 15 hours and saying what I do with this day ahead of me is what I want to do. Uh -huh. Now, right now, I make jewelry. I go out for long walks in the foothills above Boise. Um, and I love that. Yeah. But if at some point I wake up in the morning and say, this is not meeting my needs anymore. I want something else. Then it is time to make that change. Yeah. So it's the freedom, the ability, and the belief that you can do that. It, it, yes. I, and that's huge. Um, you know, having the ability to do it is one thing. 
Mm-hmm. But I think, and I am so thankful that I know that it is possible to go anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of that. Um, and that's huge. That is hugely freeing when you know that that is a possibility. Uh, and whether you choose to do it or not is right. largely irrelevant. But knowing that you can do it is huge. So uh, you, you've done amazing things, right? Even even to be, I, I mean, you're, I, I know a bit about your background and, you know, cycling around India and just all these, you're, you can clearly like just get, get an idea in your mind and do it. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so uh, I think that if you had chosen to, to throw yourself into a teaching career or some other career, that you would have been equally successful in, in another way, right? In a different way. Do you feel um, that you have somehow um, failed your potential, right? Because you have untapped career potential that you never, that you never tapped into. No. No. Okay. Follow-up question then. All right. So there's that line that uh, nobody says in their deathbed, they spent, they wish they'd spent more time at work. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but is that because most people, not you and me, Nancy, (laughs) but most people spend so much time at work. Um, So what I mean is, is that if I spend a lot of time relaxing and being with my family, is it actually possible that I will be the one person who on my deathbed says that I wish I spent more time at work? (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know, who knows, maybe, but my <laughs> personal, my, my personal feeling is that as long as you are making choices that bring you joy mm-hmm. and that you are making a conscious choice to do what fulfills you, then I'm thinking the answer to that would be no. Yeah. Um, I, there are some people who just love work. Um, like look at and, Steve Jobs. I, I mean, I read that Steve Jobs biography, and I don't think he was unhappy spending all those hours at work, right? Like, exactly. And and so you know, if you have work like right now, I make jewelry, and and I you know I'm at a point where sure I could completely retire and not and not make jewelry, but I'm like, but. Why, why would I, why would I not want to make jewelry? Like what, uh, how, how would that make sense? Like, I, this is what I love to do. Uh And so I think as long as you are, are doing what you love to do, whether that is working a job where you're totally engrossed in your job and you love it and you're passionate about it, and this is your everything, or if 
you are choosing to focus on something else and you are are just you know as, as you say you're trading your time for money uh you know may, may, you just had I, I think you just kind of have to make that decision to go with what is most fulfilling to you and i and i think as long as you make those choices and you make conscious choices i think you'll be fine that's great nancy that's honestly that's probably a good place to stop unless you're telling me that there's something that unless you're going to tell me that i've failed to ask you an important question is there anything that you that um, you feel like i i should have asked that i haven't asked i can't really think of anything i just i i feel like from I, I know that you are really wrestling with this whole idea of have you failed society? <laughs> well, and, and that is an important question. And I will tell you that we had people when we took off on our bike trip, I had people tell me that, you know, because I was a teacher that I, I had a societal obligation. I had a a responsibility to society to be working as a teacher and the idea that I'm going to neglect that responsibility just for this whim of going and riding my bicycle that's being irresponsible and all of that and I don't necessarily buy into that I do think that we we all have a responsibility to society on some level um, but we also have a responsibility to ourselves and to our families yeah, your your uh, perspective on this is really meaningful to me. I've I've had a few people tell me um, what you're saying um, about hey, as long as you can provide for your family and and um, you know do do work from home and provide for your family, like who cares, right? Like family is what's important, and and not that you. Uh, haven't had a, an impressive career, but some of the guys telling me this have had extraordinarily successful careers. And I mm -hmm. feel like they're, they want to have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where I feel like you made some very deliberate choices where you're, you were like, this is my priority and this is what I'm going to build my life on. Um, so your perspective means a lot to me uh, on this point. Well, and I, and I think you, and I, I, you know, I see, I see myself in you so much, you know, when I see what you're doing of moving down to Guatemala and trying to make these very conscious decisions. Um, and I'm not going to say that I was as conscious of it as you are when I was your age, because I most definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I was very definitely, um, I knew that I wanted to live overseas. I knew that I wanted those certain experiences and I made those happen. And I, and I, and I see that that's what you're doing now. And that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe I, I, I think you're doing great in that because I see that's what I did. And I'm now looking back on it and saying, yeah, that was the right decision at the time. I don't know. So you were, so how would you say that worry, being worried about particular things was a good thing? Okay. What I mean is worry sometimes leads us to action, right? 
And so we worry about something and we do something and then we get a, a different result than we would have gotten otherwise. So like maybe you were worried about your, just your, your family situation, right? How, how's my family going to be the most important? Would you say worry led you to action and then that action created the, the life that you wanted? Um, or am I giving you too much credit? I think you're giving me too much credit. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I think we just, we, we just made the decisions. Um, I, I, like I said, I was very passionate. I wanted to live overseas. Yeah. Uh, that, but that was the real driving factor for me. I just kind of, I didn't intentionally go into teaching thinking that it would lead to an overseas career. Uh, not at all. Yeah. I went into teaching fully expecting to teach in the U.S. Uh, and it just ended up being a good match for that. Um, so it, it, not, none of, not, basically nothing that we did was intentional in that regard. Yeah. It was intentional in I want this experience. I mean, when we went and we spent a year cycling around Asia, uh, India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh. And I, I literally, I, I, I spent every penny I had. I had to borrow some money from John in order to get home. Um, you know, so, and I was 30 then. So yeah. when I was 30, I was literally completely broke. <laughs> I, and I don't mean just, just a figurative thing. I literally didn't have a penny to my name. Um, you know, and, and so, but, but I wanted that experience and I knew enough. My grandfather had, he was a typesetter and he hated his job, but he kept working more and more years so that he'd have a more comfortable retirement. And, mm -hmm. and he finally retired and uh, my grandparents had a cabin up on the North shore of Lake Superior and so they spent summers up there and then they went down to Florida in the winters. And uh, the second winter on their way down to Florida, my grandfather had a stroke and died in the middle of Georgia. And, um, and I just remember, and I was like eighth or ninth grade at the time. And I remember listening to my parents talk about how grandpa had worked all of these extra years so that he could have this more comfortable retirement and they were so looking forward to summers at the cottage and 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 winters in florida and then he never got that and that was you know i was you know i was like eighth ninth grade and so i was very impressionable and and i made a decision that that wasn't going to happen to me yeah so you're i don't know exactly how old you are but i'm 59 you're 59 so mm -hmm. you're you're talk to me about the difference between the 20 years between 20 and 40 and the 20 years between 40 and 60? Um, between 20 and 40, again, I, I knew that I was young. I knew that I was strong. I knew that I, these were the years when I could do all the physical stuff. Uh-huh. So that was, I went in the Peace Corps. I traveled around South America. I moved to the Navajo Nation and I spent three years teaching on the Navajo Nation. I, I biked around Asia. Uh, so. 
I just love the layers to your story. Like it gets more interesting than. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have lived a very bizarre life. That's true. Um, so, 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 and then I got married when I was 30 and 30, 31. I got married on my 31st birthday. Um, so, so, you know, I would say those years, but I knew, and maybe that was because my parents had drilled it into me. Maybe it was because of my grandfather. I don't really even know, but like a real driving factor for this bike trip around Asia was because I knew that biking around India was not something I would be able to do when I was 60. Huh. Uh, if I was going to do that, I had to do it when I was young. And so yeah. I did. Uh -huh. um, and then, and then 40 to 60, of course, I, I was 37 and my kids were born. So of course that, you know, the first part of that was just really geared toward the kids. Oh, well, most of it has been, the kids are just now graduating from college. And so those years were more focused on the kids. So I would say, my younger years were being wild and adventurous mm. and being out there doing crazy stuff. Uh, and then 40 to, that doesn't sound right because it's in these years that I was out riding my bike from a Yeah, exactly. Bike. That's what I was going to say. So maybe there's more energy after 40 than, than a lot of people think, right? Well, I was 40... Let's see, when we left in 2008, so I would have left for the Alaska to Argentina trip just before I turned 48. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> 40 is not exactly the end of your, your physical capabilities. No, no. Um, not, and, and not everyone wants to ride their bike from Alaska to Argentina. They right? don't? Some people just want to go on like one hike. I mean, I'm, I'm into the idea of Alaska to Argentina by bike. I'm not sure that I could get Monica to do it with me. Yeah, that's the tough one, isn't it? <laughs> she would, I would love for her to just drive along with me and meet me, you know, at the end of every day. She could do whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, could be, that could be interesting. You know, <laughs> could be. Put it on yeah. the list. Put it on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nancy, this has been great. Uh, I really uh, truthfully appreciate your time and perspective. And hey, by the way, to everyone listening, um, you can remember, check out uh, Nancy's website. That is nancysatryvogel.com. The link is in the show notes. She's also on Twitter, at Family on Bikes. That's still your Twitter handle, right? At Family on Bikes? It is. It Are is. you active not on Twitter? Are you active on Twitter? I'm not very active on Twitter anymore. I'm, I'm not either. But maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Well, you can find her. Or right. if you can find her, you find me and I'll find her for you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I did. I actually have been doing more on Instagram with my jewelry. That's right. I follow you on Instagram. And my Instagram is msathryvogeljewelry. So. All right. Hey, Nancy, thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Clark.
Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast Dealing With 40. I'd love to hear from you. Seriously, I want to hear about you, all right? Your questions, your issues, your struggles, your answers, all right? What you figured out. Where do you find rest? Where do you find peace? Hey, and if you have people you'd love for me to interview on the podcast, please reach out. All right, so my personal email, personal email, clarkvand at gmail.com. That's clarkvand, C-L-A-R-K, V as in victory, A, N as in Nancy, D as in David, clarkvand at gmail.com. All right, you can also go to dealingwith40.com. That's dealingwith40.com. I'd love it. Love it if you'd share this podcast on social media. Share it. And can I suggest the hashtag dealing with 40? Just share it and tag it. Hashtag dealing with 40. And please, please leave a five-star review of this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. All right. If you go to dealingwith40.com, you can sign up to receive email updates from us as this project grows and evolves. Like, we'll see where it goes. If there's something you're looking for, if you've got an idea, please let me know. Again, email is clarkvand at gmail.com. All right, this podcast is a declaration, a plea, an invitation. All right, it's a declaration to live and seek my destiny, a declaration to become the very best version of myself and to do great things. It's a plea that you would be, please be patient with me and with others. Like, I have issues. I'm insecure. All right, please give me grace and know that if I say something foolish or do something wrong, like my heart, my heart's in the right place. All right. And remember this of others too. Be kind. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you have your issues too. So please, please let us affirm one another. Like I think we probably all spend enough time condemning ourselves. And this is an invitation to join me on the journey. Lean in with me. Share the lessons that you have learned, the perspective that you have gained. Listen to the wisdom shared by the people I interview as a part of this project and commit to being the very best version of yourself. All right, so remember, hashtag dealing with 40. All right, and sign up for email updates at dealingwith40.com. And again, I'm here for you. If you're processing this stuff as well, reach out and let's connect. All right, that's it. Have a great day.